With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. FF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurts, and today we will continue our team preview series with the NFC East, and first up is the Dallas Cowboys, so make sure if you haven't already, please go check out the rest of our team preview edition. Just try and make these as evergreen as possible. Get in, get out, smarten everyone up. So without further ado, your 2020 Fantasy Football Dallas Cowboys team preview. Starts up with Dak Prescott, and I think the whole Carson Wentz versus Dak Prescott thing has actually like underrated both guys when you kind of talk about like the general football fans' thoughts on them. And it's unfortunate because I think both Wentz and Dak are just awesome quarterbacks. And that's really all we've seen from Dak since he entered the league. I mean, just among 44 quarterbacks with 16-plus starts since 2016, guys, 11th in completion rate, you know, 13th QB rating, 11th in yards per attempt, 12th in adjusted yards per attempt. And, I mean, I know that's just, you know, upper kind of quartile. It's not like the guy's a top-five quarterback. But when you consider the rushing upside he gives you, too, I mean, league position high, excuse me, 21 scores since he entered the league in 2016, you know, we got a true dual-threat talent here. And, you know, yes, the Cowboys have consistently had one of the league's best offensive line, lines with Dak back there. But, man, you, you make a two-minute cutoff of some of these plays that Dak has created over the years in the off-script situations. And, the dude, is just a problem to get to the ground. I mean, it's it's no wonder Mississippi State could lean on him as heavily as they did, you know, in the rushing game. The guy's never missed an NFL game. I know he's banged up towards the end of last season with that shoulder, but even then, making plays, doing, you know, doing the damn thing. The guy's been the QB6, QB10, QB10, and QB2 over the last four seasons. I mean, this Cowboys offense last year was one of just 11 offenses to average at least 6.5 yards per play since 1970. It's incredibly unfortunate they couldn't make the playoffs. You know, one score game, uh, a lot of kind of regression variables like that are pointing them having a nice old bounce back season. But you know, just hard to really put too much of that on Dak. I think you know, going into 2020, we're gonna see the best version yet. Please, Dallas, sign the guy to a long term deal. I'm not sure why it's taking this long. I'm not sure why it is taking this long, but cannot think of anything Dak really could have done better over the last four years, you know, to warrant long-term contract, long-term deal from Dallas Cowboys. Moving on, running backs. So one of the things that is so awesome with Zeke being with the Cowboys, I mean, if you go back to his days at Ohio State, I mean, the guy was one of the most savage lead blockers you would ever see. And they've actually used him a lot with that in the running game when they do decide to run Dak on those draws, on those sweeps. I mean, obviously we talk about blocking as a, you know, just – Usually in fantasy land, not at all, but even in real life, it's always just kind of a side note about a player. But, you know, uh, I think the Athletics' Dane Brugler said it best about Zeke when he was coming out of the draft. I mean, he is the perfect Carmelian back that can fit into any scheme, any system, and do everything at a high level. Like, I understand, you know, Saquon Barkley's the world are better runners. You know, maybe take Derrick Henry if you want someone just to give the ball to 25 times per game up the middle. You know, you want your Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara to throw the ball to, 
But, you know, if you had to look at all five, you know, six of those systems with the running backs, I think, you know, the average finish, if he ran 100 simulations for each time, of the Ezekiel Elliott-led offenses would probably end up being the highest of the group. So, I mean, you know, all the credit in the world to Zeke for keeping keeping up the production. I mean, he's been the PPR RB2 in 2016, the RB11 in only 10 games in 2017, these last two seasons, the RB5 and RB3. He's a virtual lock for 300 rush attempts, you know. He's going to be turning 25 soon, but still, you know, very young. And, yeah, he's still, you know, pretty much the centerpiece and focal point of this offense. Has a chance to really get his receiving levels back up, too. I mean, 2018, he caught 77 passes when Jason Witten was uh, retired. And when Witten came back, he did soak up a whole lot of those underneath uh, opportunities. So, not only will, you know, having Zeke in the underneath areas of the field to kind of take those checkdowns and those last-second passes from Dak, I think help Zeke's fantasy production, but that's just going to help the Cowboys offense in general. I mean, who wants Witten, you know, having the encountered linebackers and safeties in space? Obviously, you want your best players having the ball. Ezekiel Elliott is one of those guys, no doubt about it. Now the question is, can he hold off Tony Pollard for the entire season? And the answer is yes, because look at that contract that Zeke got. But that doesn't take anything away from Tony Pollard. Led the NFL in PFF's elusive rating last year. I mean, Pollard is objectively a stud. The guy just makes everyone miss, man. 26 broken tackles and just 101 touches. I don't know what they're feeding those guys in Memphis. Between Antonio Gibson, Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, the guys are pretty much breaking the PFF system. And some of these uh, yards after contact, you know, broken tackle statistics. So, you know, the run game, it's been amazing the last few years. They lost Travis Frederick at center, but, you know, they get Joe Looney back who started for them all year in 2018. They've made some investments to the center position in the last two drafts. I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, do not expect Ezekiel Elliott standing as a top five, even top three fantasy back to go anywhere anytime soon. Moving on to the wide receivers. New group, C.D. Lamb. I mean, every I know all Cowboys fans were hyped when they made that selection. Just now an embarrassment of riches, but, you know, they made his strength stronger, and you got to respect him for that. But, you know, it still all start, starts at the top. Mr. $100 million man, Amari Cooper. And, yeah, tough end of the season, but I think a lot of people just kind of forget what Cooper had to go through. Now, I get it. $100 million, like, you need to win every matchup you're in if you're making, you know, nine figures in any sport. But Cooper has been one of the more sensitive guys to tough cornerback matchups over the years. And, you know, we saw that rear its ugly head in the second half of last year. I mean, he went three catches, 38 yards, no scores, when shadowed by Darius Slay. Got goose-egged by Stephon Gilmore. Went for eight catches, 85 yards against Tredavious White. A lot of that was in the slot, uh, kind of escaping him. Uh, wasn't shouted against the Bears, and then have one catch for 19 yards against Jalen Ramsey, who he's going to have to see again in week one. So, you know, I think we overrate shadow matchups in general in fantasy football just because really only Slay, Gilmore, and Ramsey, you know, unconveniently for Cooper, he had all these guys. But those are really the only three corners in the league that consistently travel sideline to sideline and into the slot. So even when you're facing, you know, someone like Tredavious White, you know, true baller, you can still kind of rely on your receivers, spend, you know, 40, even 50% of their snaps, of their routes elsewhere. But in Cooper's case, we've seen enough of this. And we've seen Dak willing enough to look at his other options that I would say, you know, he, he deserves a decent downgrade ahead of these tough shadow matchups. In general, though, we're still looking at, you know, one of the top five route runners in the league. You know, again, just got paid, didn't seem fully healthy down the stretch. You know, I'm not firing up Cooper as a top 10 fantasy receiver this year, but, you know, I think any doubts as to whether or not he can still, you know, produce at a very high level are a little bit uncalled for. Because, look, this offense last year was enabling three fantasy-relevant wide receivers during the second half. I mean, after their Week 8 bye last season, Michael Gallup was the PPR wide receiver 8. 
Cooper was the wide receiver 21. Even Randall Cobb was the wide receiver 27. I mean, that that is more than good. And, you know, when you, when you consider the upgrade that CeeDee Lamb is in all likelihood going to bring over Cobb, again, this offense just looks better than they were even more last year, which was already incredible. So I'm not quite buying the idea that Gallup is going to, you know, overtake Cooper as number one option, you know, even though their targets were right there last year. And, you know, Gallup did outproduce him at the end. But it's, it's just... It's tough to assume that, again, with the money and I think with natural talent. You know, maybe C.D. Lamb is the guy in a couple years, but I think right now we're going to see him, you know, operate mainly in the slot. But they're going to move the guys around. I think, I'm hoping that's going to be the one big change with Mike McCarthy there. And, you know, we already started to see a little bit of Kellen Moore, but, you know, going back to Des Bryant days, and the, the general complaint from the Jason Garrett offense was always how predictable it could be. And just small things like more pre-snap motion, Moving wide receivers around the formation. I mean, these are things that are a staple, you know, like in the Chiefs offense, for example. And the Cowboys could very easily do that uh, themselves. So, all three receivers, you know, fancy relevant enough. It's scary in these offenses. You know, we look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from last year and, you know, the red flag that was O.J. Howard, Evans, and Goblin being these highly ranked fancy guys. But this is as, you know, almost as good as, good as any offense in the league. We should expect multiple fancy standouts from the Dallas Cowboys in 2020. Finally, on the tight end position, we have Blake Jarwin finished third on the Cowboys in yards per route run last season. I mean, if you just look at Dak's receivers in his career, who he's thrown at least 50 targets to, he's only averaged more adjusted yards per attempt when throwing the ball to Bryce Butler or Amari Cooper. Blake Jarwin's number three. I mean, this guy is a legit seam stretcher. He scores a touchdown seemingly every single time he faces the New York Giants for whatever reason. And it's going to be good for him because although, again, this is a crowded offense with you know capable playmakers all over the field, Cowboys had the second most available targets from last season, only behind the Atlanta Falcons. Both Cobb and Witten had 83 targets last year, and, you know, those are going to be distributed now to some arguably better playmakers. So, you know, not expecting Jarwin to be the offense's top three pass game target or anything like that, but as far as number four, number five pass game options in the league go, Jarwin carries a higher ceiling than most, definitely a prime late-round tight end, and really someone that I think you should be looking to get in best ball formats in particular. Whenever I'm doing these best balls, this year at the tight end position. If I can get Kittle, if I can get Kelsey, if I can get Andrews, I'm happy. I'm taking one more tight end at the end, and that's it. But if I don't, I'm going to let other people take the tight end four through tight end ten, and then I'm going to get guys like Jarwin, Chris Herndon, Jonu Smith. Give me three of those athletic studs in the back half of the draft, and then let you know the chips fall where they might. But I think by doing that, you're giving yourself a great chance, you know, one, one by one week. I don't know that any of those guys are going to necessarily put everything together for 16 games. Maybe my guy Chris Herndon, but, you know, Jarwin, Herndon, Jonu. If you can get three of those tight ends if you miss out early, I think that's the best way to go in these best ball formats. And, you know, if you're playing best ball, you better be doing it with underdog. Use code PFF to enter their million-dollar competition. And, hey, you know, if, if, if you end up uh, firing up a squad with Jarwin, Herndon, Jonu, something like that, and uh, you get that million dollars, just remember who sent you there. So that's code PFF underdog fantasy. Now on to the specific ranks. We're going to hear a lot of high numbers, guys. The Cowboys are loaded. QB, I got Dak Prescott as the QB three, one spot behind Mahomes, one spot ahead of Kyler. He was a QB two last year. I mean, this isn't a hot take. And, uh, you know, with him really now putting up the passing volume, he's always had the rushing upside. And we could expect even the red zone rushing scores to get back up to six like they were the first three years of his career. All in on Dak Prescott in 2020. Underrated MVP candidate, truly. Uh, running back, I have Ezekiel Elliott, RB3. One spot behind Saquon Barkley, one spot ahead of Alvin Kamara. You know, I've had people ask me if they, you know, maybe get Kamara or even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ahead of Zeke. And, 
No, it's just, you know, McCaffrey and Barkley have that, you know, 300 rush upside. McCaffrey, not so much, but his targets are just so insane and out of this world that it makes up for it. Zeke has that, and the targets, while usually they were a problem, again, with Jason Witten not being there, he has severe splits, you know, target-wise, with and without Witten. We really could see Zeke, you know, flirt with 100 targets this year. Easy RB3. Tony Pollard, you know, all-time stud. I have him as my RB38, one spot behind Alexander Madison, one spot ahead of Chase Edmonds. And it's just a disaster strikes. These handcuffs, you know, throw Latavius Murray in there too. Disaster strikes, these handcuffs are going to ball out. And I understand the argument in, a fan, in the fantasy circles that says, hey, if you draft Ezekiel Elliott, draft Latavius Murray, not Tony Pollard, because there's no scenario where Zeke and Pollard are going to ball out. But in a best-case scenario, you could have Zeke and Murray. I get it. But look, there's only, again, four, I think, four of these main handcuffs in the league. I'm fine to chase all four of them, regardless of who your starting running back might already be. Wide receiver, I have Amari Cooper, wide receiver 17, one spot behind Terry McLaurin, one spot ahead of Mike Evans. I have Michael Gallup as my wide receiver 33, one spot behind Hollywood Brown, one spot ahead of Marvin Jones. And look at these guys. I understand they finished, you know, higher in the second half of last season, but there's just only so many targets to go around this offense at some point. And, uh, you know, the wide receivers could be the situation that, you know, doesn't suffer. I mean, again, they're putting up big numbers here. But, you know, I'm not going to anoint these guys as a top 10 option like your Zeke, like your Dak. And then uh, CeeDee Lamb, I have wide receiver 49, one spot ahead of Curtis Samuel, one spot behind Henry Ruggs. Right now, he's, you know, he's probably the rookie two, rookie wide receiver two that I'm looking to get. And, I mean, that's only going to be better uh, in dynasty circles. So, uh, tight end, Blake Jarwin, tight end 13, one spot behind Jared Cook. One spot ahead of Chris Herndon. Honestly, I would move Herndon ahead of Jarwin uh, just after all this training camp move. But even then, I would take Jarwin over Hawkinson because we're looking at two guys that are projected number four options in their offenses. I think the Cowboys offense, nothing against the Lions and what Stafford did last year, but I would put the Cowboys 2020 floor well ahead of the Lions, which takes us to our win total. They are giving the Cowboys, always, you know, a strong public team, nine and a half wins. This is wild. Uh, the defense is not looking good. They did not replace Byron Jones. Their, you know, defensive line lost Gerald McCoy. They tried to add a bunch of edge, rusher, edge rushers. So far, they're not suspended. You know, it seems like every year they start with a couple of these DN suspendeds. Uh, Alden Smith is getting rave reviews. You know, Randy Gregory wants to come back and play. Who knows? I think they're going to need uh, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith to get back to, you know, 2018 levels. Not saying Leighton wasn't there when he was healthy last season, but, you know, when they had those fast linebackers flying around, it just made the rest of the defense so much better. The offense is so good. I just feel like this win total should be closer to nine, and it's nine and a half because they are the Cowboys. At nine and a half, I would take the under, I think. Uh, would not bet a ton of money on it. I just think the Eagles, and I'll get to this more, but sorry, Cowboys fans, I think the Eagles are a little bit more complete team, a little better team entering 2020. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's more so because this win total, again, should be at nine, even eight and a half. I think the nine and a half line is more because they're America's team. They're going to get the action. And I just think that line is off. 
by a tad. And as you can see, and yeah, so with that said, the over juice is minus 155 for nine and a half, and the under is plus 125. So I think with that value in the juice, I would take the under. Make no mistake about it. This offense particularly is loaded. They're going to put up points, but just not entirely convinced, you know, bringing in Mike McCarthy and, uh, you know, these things are going to lead to a huge turnaround. So that was your Dallas Cowboys 2020 fantasy football team preview. I'm Ian Harditz. This is the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time.